Views and opinions expressed by the hosts are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of their employers. This podcast may not be suitable for children. Adults may find details triggering and or offensive. Listener's discretion is advised. Hi, everyone. This is Norma. And this is Big P. (laughs) And you're listening to It's It's the Mystery Mystery for Me. Me. Hey, it rhymes. Welcome back to It's the Mystery for Me. Hope y'all had a really good Juneteenth celebrating that we are finally free. You know what I'm saying? I know technically we were freed many, many years ago. I mean, it doesn't really feel like that long ago. Sometimes, you know, the shackles. Mm-hmm. I can feel them, you know. But I love that we have Juneteenth as a holiday. Because if everybody else get July 4th, you know what I'm saying? At least we got Juneteenth. July 4th does not even make any sense to me. Why? White people fought their cousins. That's literally what it is. For independence. Gotcha. <laughs> not their cousins. They That's did. funny. If any of my cousins are listening, hey cousins. <laughs> <laughs> you only get it if you follow me on TikTok. I call everybody my cousin. Listen, six degrees of separation. It's very real. Everybody know everybody. See y'all at the family mm-hmm. reunion. <laughs> um, do we have any news related to true crime? No. Wait, I still don't know about... Let me look up Diamond Bradley really quick. Let me just check and see All right. if they have... But I feel like it would have been on the shade room or something. Shade room be shade room. They be all of a sudden like announcing things. No, there's no update. It's been a month. All right, so I'll just get into sources then. So for today's episode, I watched an Oxygen show called Sleeping with Death. And I also looked at articles from Oxygen, Chicago Sun Times, Washington Post, CBS News, among others. And for a full list of today's sources, go ahead and check out our website, is the mysteryforme.com, or click the link in today's show notes. So this story takes us back to 2012 in Chicago, Illinois. This is a case of Yolanda Holmes. Yolanda Holmes was born on February 2nd, 1967 in Chicago, and in 2012, she would have been 45 years old. As one of her friends described her, Yolanda was a beautiful person with a beautiful soul. She was extremely generous and she was really big on giving back. So she would host back to school drives where she would donate school supplies and backpacks to kids. Yolanda was also a single mother to a 23 year old son, Kwame Wilson. And Kwame's father was actually serving time in prison. I think a life sentence. What'd he do? Double murder. No. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, so she was determined to make sure that Kwame did not go down that path. Mm. So pretty much everything that he needed, she provided for him. She was able to send him to private school. She got him a car and eventually a job. I'm not sure what the job was. And she was able to do this because she was a successful salon owner. And in 2012, I think by then she owned the salon for 16 years. What so. did she do at the salon? Was it like hair? Just, well, yeah, but did she braid hair? Did she do sewing? I'm just wondering, you know. I don't know. In today's age of IG stylists, I'm just wondering if you have to pay extra to get your hair washed, <laughs> you know, when you come in or whatever. I really hope not. But um, <laughs> Or you got to come with this straight. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure the name was called Nappy Heads. I love that. Yeah. But aside from that, like working very hard, she played pretty hard too. And she spoiled herself. So she would travel all the time. And her friend said that her passport pages were filled with stamps. And I thought about you. Uh-oh. Yes. I um, love traveling. Traveling. Make memories, y'all. Make memories. And she also lived in a luxury high rise and drove a nice car. Okay. It does sound like me. Yeah. <laughs> But that's pretty much all that I have as to who Yolanda is as a person. So now let's talk about September 2012, specifically September 2nd, 2012. A 911 call comes in at around 5 a.m. Reportedly, shots had been fired in Yolanda's apartment building. So I know the white folks were just like, what the hell is this? I'm sure. Shit. (laughs) So... Detectives arrive to the scene and they are told that there is one person with non-life-threatening injuries and one with fatal injuries. The first thing that they notice are cameras outside of her building. So they already know, like, okay, we're going to start there, probably. And, and it's it just probably revealing. works. <laughs> we'll get into that. I don't know. Uh-oh. But detectives go into the apartment building where shots are fired and it happens to be Yolanda's apartment. And as soon as they get inside the apartment, they just notice that there's blood splatter everywhere on the wall. There is blood on the floor. They notice that there is not any forced entry, though. Hmm. When they get to the bedroom, they see that it's completely disheveled. And Yolanda is lying back with her legs on the floor still. She's lying on the bed? Yeah, she's lying on the bed. So she's towards the edge of it, where I guess half her body's on the bed? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they got a little bit closer, they noticed that she was shot in the head twice. Oh my goodness. And she was stabbed in the chest at least twice. Whoa. So That's to them, intense. it is very intense and it looks it's like not. overkill. Oh man. Whoever wanted to hurt her wanted to make sure that she was dead. As to the evidence that they found on the scene, there was a revolver handgun on the floor and it was shattered. Shattered? So detectives on the show said it was likely shattered because it was a really old gun. And likely it was used to knock someone out or was smashed against a wall for it to have fallen apart the way that it had. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. They also noticed that in the kitchen, one of the knives was missing from the knife block. And they assumed that that knife was used to stab her in the chest. They also found an earbud 
that would have been attached to headphones, wired headphones specifically. But it was just like random. It was just ripped off of the wires. Right. And we are not in AirPods era yet, are we? No, I don't I don't think so. 2012. No, we're not. 2012, we're yeah. like starting the iPad era. Oh. I wow. think we still have iTunes and not Apple Music. Like, it was a different time. Yeah, it was a different time. Um, In the bathroom, they noticed that the water was still running as though someone was trying to clean up and there was blood on the bathroom floor. So detectives' initial theory is that they believe that this was a domestic situation or she was at least killed by someone that she knows. Okay. So as this is all unfolding, Kwame, her son, he arrives at the scene. I don't know who told him how he found out because this is like 5 a.m. in the morning that this is all happening. Right. But he arrives and he is just wondering like what happened, what's going on. And they break the news to him that his mother did not make it. And he starts crying. He's distraught. He can't understand who would want to hurt his mom. You know what I can't understand? How did he figure it out? Like how did he... They get don't there. discuss does, it on the show. Does she have a man? So I'm going to get to that. Okay. So with him being distraught, they know that they have to really figure out who who did this. Because Kwame doesn't have answers. He's like, I don't know who'd want to hurt my mom. So the first thing that they start doing is interviewing neighbors. They go knocking on doors in the building and... No one heard anything. No one saw anything. And they're Isn't white. Crazy? They don't say. Okay, because I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, because I'm like, I think people would be singing like canaries. No, not not for nothing. Something mm-hmm. that got our people in shackles is the whole like, you know, you don't say nothing, you don't get involved, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Now, listen, I see both sides of it, where it's like you could get involved, and then the repercussions from you getting involved could be deadly, honestly, Mm -hmm. you know? And the whole mentality of like, you know, you're just minding your business. And then the other side of it is like, if you know something, you should say something. So it's just, it's a slippery slope, but which side do you guys land on? Let me know in the comments, because I'm curious. Mm -hmm. What side do you land on, Norma? Are you saying something or are you like, nah? I think it really depends. Okay. Yeah. What's a situation where you would say something? You see, you walk by someone and you see they're beating up their girlfriend. Listen, you remember that one Christmas where someone was getting their ass beat outside? I opened the window and I said, you better stop it or I'm going to call the cops. That's true. And he said, I'm going to come up there and beat your ass. And I said, come do it. Yeah. You know, like I was ready to. Wait, was it two guys fighting? Two guys fighting. On Christmas Day, y'all. Well, I said, come up here and do it. I remember, actually. Mm -hmm. I remember. um, And I had a boyfriend that was, like, a hood dude. And he was very (laughs) shocked (laughs) at Norma doing this. So, I don't know. I think with the... And that was me acting off of adrenaline. And I'm like, I would never do that. But then I did do something where like it did not pertain to me at all i just saw something and i just immediately was like oh my god he's gonna kill that guy what about if you walk by someone and it's like a guy beating up his girlfriend or wife or something i would absolutely intervene i really think so yeah 
Mm-hmm. I think so too. But then I did see a video on um, what you call it Instagram. Black China's mom. Okay, she interrupted some sort of domestic dispute. She was at this hotel, motel. I don't know. It kind of looked like a motel. Whatever. So she goes next door and the girl's like crying, saying like that the guy's beating her up and like Black China's mom is trying to help her and it's like, okay, get your stuff, like get out, like, you know. And then the girl somehow ends up back in the room, like not even a few minutes later. And then Black China's mom is like frustrated and it's like, all right, then get your ass beat then. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's really difficult for people who are actually victims of domestic violence, like your brain isn't working like a normal person. Like, you know, some people would walk away, mm-hmm. but if you've been abused that much, you're not inclined to do so Yeah, as easily. So I think in that sense, like, even if you do step up in the moment, and I think I would step up too, it's, you have to also understand, like, listen, this person might end up right back with right. whoever, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And you could be making it worse for the person, too. Mm. That's the other side that I remember. I think I saw on TikTok one day. And I'm like, it's true. You know, like, you got to be very, very careful. I think I am more inclined, though, to say something. I'm very much like, if if I see something happening, like, I just think that I would end up saying, like, don't do that or don't touch her Mm -hmm. or something. I agree. I really I do want to hear people's comments on this because mm-hmm. I feel like this can go either way. I'll just say one more thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I dated another hood dude. I don't know. I date a lot of hood dudes, okay? Hood I try ninjas. to tell her no. You know what I'm saying? Don't I don't listen. know. It's just something about them hood dudes sometimes, okay? This one was very, very smart, okay? He's a reformed hood dude. I like reformed ones, the ones that are like, you know, that was my past. You know what I'm saying? This is my future. You know? like <laughs> I like that. So anyways, I asked him about that same scenario. Like, what if you saw your friend beating up his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And he said that he would not intervene in the moment. Mm. He said, and he's a big dude, y'all. He's a big dude. Okay. Giant teddy bear. Really tall. Could interrupt. Okay. He said he wouldn't do it in the moment and that he would handle his friend after. And I, when I asked him what he meant by handle, he's like, just know he going to get handled, mm. period. And I was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> but, like, you see how everyone has, like, different mentalities and yeah. stuff? Because I was like, oh, I would just do this. And he's like, you could get yourself killed, Priscilla. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, you think you're doing the right thing, but you got to think about all the repercussions that could come from it. You don't, sometimes you don't know the people, you know? Yeah. He's like, I know my friend, but you never know. In that moment, people could just lose their mind and... Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Go off on you, hurt you, shoot you, stab you, whatever. So I think now that I'm really thinking out loud, like maybe I would do something anonymously. I don't know. It depends, y'all. It depends, y'all. Well, the neighbors didn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, everybody just watched. You know. Bystander so, effect. Yeah, definitely. So they moved on to their next suspect, which was the individual who was at the scene with non-life-threatening injuries. This was actually oh. a man that Yolanda had been talking to, and his name is Curtis Wyatt. What do you mean by talking to? 
Well, okay. So apparently they had dated in the past and they had just rekindled things. Okay. So he confirms that and he said that they went out the night before, September 1st. Okay. For drinks and then he stayed over at her apartment and they fell asleep. He also tells detectives that at some point he wakes up to her being on the phone with someone. He doesn't listen to the conversation. He ends up falling asleep. And then the next thing he knows, he's waking up again, but this time to gunshots. Gunshots, he's hearing it, like, and he's being shot or he's seeing her be shot. So he says that he hears it, he wakes up, and then he sees a shooter in the doorway shooting in her direction. Oh. So he's shocked and he's able to roll out of bed on his side of the bed. So I think he was on the left-hand side of the bed. So he rolls out of bed and he's crouching down on the side of the bed and he says that the shooter leaves the room the shooter comes back into the room and he starts to stab yolanda oh my god so at that point he's like this is crazy he ends up tackling the guy oh good i was gonna say like when does he get up and like mm-hmm. so now some- they are fighting each other Ooh. slamming against the wall the floor Ooh. which explains the blood on the wall oh. and on the floor when they walked into the apartment okay and that could also explain why the gun was shattered. Okay, so the guy, this person she was talking to, whatever, mm-hmm. he wasn't shot. He was not shot, okay, but he was beaten I... pretty badly. Okay. Badly enough where he actually had to get stitches on his head. Ooh. Yeah. Because okay. he had a very like deep cut. Curtis is now describing the shooter as being at least six foot tall, 200 pounds. They fought each other, and then the guy just ended up leaving the apartment. That's it? He just, like, leaves? So they're like, like how is it that he just leaves you alive? So they think this is very bizarre. Curtis even goes on to say that he tried to clean up afterwards. So I'm just wondering, why didn't he assist Yolanda? Could he have been in shock? What do you think? I think it's hard to say. I think you don't know how you react in the moment. Um, I don't know. It could be shock where you're just like trying to like rub the blood off of you and like just wash your hands yeah. like you can't believe what just happened. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm thinking happened. I just think that it's hard to say mm-hmm. because everybody is so different. And, you know, how I react to a situation, you don't react the same way. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like this was very traumatizing. Yeah. And maybe not for nothing like he just knew she was dead like and he was just like you know maybe going in his mind like oh my gosh she's dead like what the yeah what just happened like you know Mm -hmm. he could also be panicking because he's like how does this happen the one time i came (laughs) Mm -hmm. over here we done rekindled we went out for drinks and now i'm being attacked yeah by an intruder it's probably just all of that coming to him like how and Will cops believe me if he yeah. really isn't a person? Will cops believe me? I am a black man in this home. Someone is dead. Mm-hmm. A longtime girlfriend. I mean, do we know why they broke up in the first place? Uh, we'll get into that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my thing is, it could be shock. The other mm-hmm. side of it is like, you know, this person could just be a cold-blooded person. Yeah. There's always that. So he ended up calling 911 at around 
5.01 a.m. So just keep that time in mind because it comes back up. Okay. Detective said that Curtis was pretty combative during the questioning. So he would hit them with the line of like, I don't know, why don't you tell me? Aren't you the detective? Uh. So they end up giving him a lie detector test, which he voluntarily agrees to. We all know that, you know, this is for the most part drunk science and it's it's not concrete evidence of a person's guilt or innocence. Right. But apparently um, the test came back as him being deceptive. Mm. But detectives continue on with other interviews and they end up interviewing Yolanda's sister and her son Kwame. So mm. they interview them separately and Kwame is asked, does Yolanda have any ex-boyfriends that he knows about? And he didn't give an answer as to that, at least not that I know of on the show. But he said he was not aware that his mom even was seeing Curtis because obviously he now knows that Curtis was at the scene mm. um, with non-life-threatening injuries. And he's just kind of like, how is Curtis in the picture? Like, I didn't even know that she was dating him again. An example of mind your business. Yeah. Stay out of grown folks' business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he didn't really have a whole lot to add. Um, When they interviewed Yolanda's sister, she did mention that at a a party in May of 2012, Curtis got very upset that Yolanda was possibly talking to another man and he confronted her about it. But were they even together or like talking? I'm not really sure. I think that they were talking at this point. Um, But basically, he was so upset, he broke the TV, and he said that he was going to get his gun to kill her. Okay, Curtis. um, And this really scared her relatives. They're like, what the hell is going on? They called 911. He was escorted out of the building. I don't know if he was ever arrested. Um, I thought they just started back talking. I mean, it seems like this was at a party, like, at her house, though, like, at her apartment. Okay, so then... Okay, so mm-hmm. I guess it was going on for longer. Yeah, like it seemed like to September. be an, okay. an on and off thing, but like in September, like they rekindled they things. They really again. did it. Okay. Yeah, that's the impression that I got. Okay. Detectives also look into Yolanda's ex husband, so Kwame's father. What the hell he gonna do from behind the jail? He's in prison for double murder. Is there someone out to get him, out to get his family? Uh, I mean, there's always a possibility, child. But it's unclear to what extent they looked into that theory. On September 4th, 2012, so this is two days after the murder, they go to Yolanda's building to review their surveillance footage. And what they find is that at 4.32 a.m., there's a man in a hoodie. He's carrying detergent and he's carrying clothing on a hanger. I know that's very specific, but- I do it too. Like, what? Uh, To them, it just looks like a male who's a resident of the building. Right. But then at 4.46 a.m., so this is just 14 minutes later, that same man is seen leaving the building, but this time he has a different hoodie on. I'm just thinking, like, okay, is it a crime to change your clothes? They did think that this was a little strange. But again, this is 4.46 a.m., and Curtis doesn't call 911 to 5.01 a.m., so they're just wondering, like, okay, like, what's their relation? Right. um, If anything at all. Something else that they noticed from the video is that when that male was leaving, there was another man that held the door open for him. 
as we're reviewing the footage, the manager is able to point out that he recognized that man, the second guy in the video, as Michael Parker, and that he lived in the building with his grandmother and was currently in school. So I'm assuming that Michael's probably young, like maybe in his teens or early 20s. Okay. So they end up going to Michael Parker and asking him about the man that he held the door open for. And he basically said, I don't know. I was just holding the door open for this person. I didn't think anything of it. I did not get a good look at his face or anything. He did seem a little shady, but other than that, I don't know. I just wasn't thinking. See, not for nothing. After this, every person who holds the door for me, I'm going to just stare at them. <laughs> like, no, hearing certain things of certain cases, you start yeah. to like be like, okay, like I'm going to pay attention. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess now Michael will actually pay attention. He ends up being cleared. They do do a background check on him, though, and he's cleared. Um, Did they find anything interesting? I mean, they didn't mention anything on the show, so. And the articles, I guess, did not dive into it. No. Detectives don't have much to go on at this point. So they end up watching the video several times to see like, okay, did we miss something? Is it only the entrance that has a video? It's not in her hallway? I don't think it's in her hallway, no. Okay. Yeah, I don't think so. At least they didn't show that part of the footage. Yeah. Um, It was just outside footage. Mm. So as we're reviewing it several times, they noticed that the male in the video had wired headphones on and as he's walking in and when he's walking out he only has one earbud in his ear because the other one isn't there so now they're just thinking like okay he might definitely have something to do with this and so the earbud is moved to the top of their evidence list in the crime lab okay but you know a few days do go by and Yolanda's funeral comes and she's laid to rest. I did not get a specific date, Mm. but this was really difficult for her family. Obviously her son was taking this very hard. He was completely withdrawn. He's an only child, right? So this is very heartbreaking for him and her family, her friends. Um, It's just so random and such a senseless killing to them. And it just doesn't make any sense. But there was one person who was absent from the funeral And if you're thinking as Curtis, it is Curtis. He was not at the funeral. Now, people deal with grief differently, so that could be why he didn't attend. It may have just been too much for him. I know people who have not gone to funerals because it's, like, too much to remember the person in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I know one person, actually. I really, like, try to think about it right now. (laughs) I don't I think one person comes to mind who I'm like, oh, they didn't pretend. Well, I mean, not only that, he also kept calling detectives every single day asking if they found the murderer. Okay, sure, we've seen cases where people have been playing in detectives' faces. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, does Curtis think he's smarter than detectives? I just feel like Curtis sounds to me like an OG from the neighborhood type of thing. I don't know. (laughs) But he sounds like somebody who is just not being, like, evasive. Just maybe someone who has dealt with cops and 
doesn't really like to deal with cops type of thing and maybe that's why his answers were weird in the beginning like okay. y'all do your job mm-hmm. you do it sure you know what i'm saying you should have the answer why are you asking me yeah so i feel like that's the vibe i got mm-hmm. and him calling and asking about it it's like i don't know i actually i mean people have done shit like that but maybe he really is just a concerned on and off again person mm-hmm. it's possible so sometime after the funeral, DNA results come in. So in terms of the earbuds, they're not able to match it to the nationwide DNA database, CODIS. Right. And same thing with the gun. So they were not able to get any prints off the off of the gun, the shattered gun. Um, and then as far as Yolanda's DNA, it was only found in the bedroom. And Curtis's DNA was found outside of the bedroom. And they thought that that was interesting that there was no mixture of their DNA. Like, there was no mixture of the blood. So he probably didn't touch her. Right. At all. Mm-hmm. If anything, this this helps Curtis. Mm-hmm. Because How shows, so? Because it shows that he was likely not involved with murdering her. I agree, but the other side of it that I see is that if you don't have someone's blood on you, like someone's killed in front of you, it's a close person. Mm -hmm. I mean, okay, part of it could be like you're shocked and you don't touch them, but most people would probably grab the person and be like trying to touch them and so blood would get on them. Um, It reminds me of that case, um, the judge case, Josephine Holmes Mm -hmm. Cook. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how they also pointed out the fact i think that like her son did not have blood on his clothes type of thing but anyways all of that to say like maybe you know blood can mix together in that instance if you're like grabbing the person like wake wake up wake yeah up, you know mm-hmm. so i think that's the other side of it okay and then um another thing is he was never curtis was never tested for gunpowder residue because hmm. By the time they had gotten there, his injuries to his head was pretty severe enough where he needed stitches. So he already went to the hospital. He had washed his hands at the apartment. He likely washed his hands at at the hospital too. So they just said that was something that they didn't do. I think it was a little bit of like an oversight on their part. Yeah, it sounds Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So months go by and there's still no arrest and actually a year goes by and there's nothing and then suddenly Mm -hmm. there's a major break in the case detectives are just now getting curtis's and yolanda's cell phone records i don't know why it took a year but apparently yolanda had two phones registered in her name one is probably her personal phone and then the other she probably uses for business purposes or it's like we could all be on the same family plan or that yeah so what they do notice is that one of the phones actually had a lot of activity before during and after the murder and then suddenly it stopped completely they focus on the outgoing calls because they can't pinpoint who has access to yolanda's cell phones Okay. Okay. So they do see that there's a reoccurring number and they were able to link it to Eugene Spencer. 
And they put two and two together and they realized that Eugene Spencer actually lived right above Yolanda's son, Kwame, at Kwame's grandfather's house. So Kwame's grandfather rented the upstairs apartment to Eugene. Okay. They decide, okay, let's take a visit to Eugene and just talk to him. And when they get to the house, they notice that it's foreclosed on. Oh, so... Mm -hmm. So they don't know where Eugene is, but they also don't know where Kwame is because he lived there. Well, damn, where's Grandpa? I have no idea. Okay. Um, (laughs) I wish they had said, you know, given a little bit more information as to that, but they didn't. So they decide to call Kwame and he's not answering. They reach out to Yolanda's relatives asking about Kwame and... They said that they hadn't seen him in quite a while. Mm. They know that he did receive some money from Yolanda's life insurance policy. Um, But other than that, they didn't have any updates for detectives. So detectives are concerned about Kwame's disappearance and the fact that it might be linked to Yolanda's murder. Um, And for me, I'm just thinking... How is it that Kwame is is missing and his family doesn't know where he is? I just think it's very weird. Like, it just seems very cold. Like, oh, yeah, like, we haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah. And he's an only child, you know what I mean? And he's 23 at this time. So, I don't know. Excuse Norma, y'all. She is used to an overbearing Dominican mother. (laughs) (laughs) Not all families are like that. And I I think... um, you know, I, I see what you're saying, though. Like, like no one was really looking for him. Checking for him? Or... Yeah. Do we know how much her life insurance policy was for? Um, I don't think they ever said the amount. No, just her bank account amount. How much was in her bank account? 90000 I mean, I have 70000 but this is saying 90000 Okay, so she had $90,000 in her bank account. Mm-hmm. She needed a financial advisor. Yeah. They say you should not keep a certain amount in your bank account. Like, it shouldn't be over, like, six months of savings or a year of savings. Yeah, I don't think... It's very impressive, though. No, that is impressive. Um, But I don't think they ever said the the insurance policy. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I mean, if she got 90000 in the bank in cash... She, I would think her insurance policy is very high. Yeah. Most of America doesn't even have like 10,000 saved or 5,000 saved. Yeah. So she has 90,000 saved. She has her own business. She Mm -hmm. lives in a luxury apartment. Mm -hmm. It's not like that dude from that one story where he was like driving a nice car and sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Yolanda had a bed. Yeah. So she's living her best life this is you know black girl luxury yeah, literally like she black women in luxury. she's talking that talk and walking the walk yeah mm-hmm. so now detectives go back to square one and they decide to review the original case report mm-hmm. and they see that Kwame provided a phone number that was a second number that was registered to yolanda okay so now there's an investigative alert that's issued for both Kwame and for Eugene. And that's not like for them to be arrested. It's just to alert them that detectives want to speak with them. 
Wait a minute. I have a question. Yeah. Eugene is linked here because they said that, like, the phone number was linked to Eugene? No, no, no. The phone number... um, Had called Eugene. Yeah, had called Eugene several times. That's what it was. So they were like, okay, since we can't figure out which one is Yolanda's number, let's start there kind of thing. Yeah. And so they were able to pull Eugene into that. They review the report over again and they're like, oh, wow. There's a number, but it's just it was just coincidence. They weren't even looking for that. Gotcha. So at this point in time, mm-hmm. they're not looking at like where it's pinging from. They're literally just looking at who the is, numbers belong you know, who's to. Calling yeah. this person incoming. Okay, mm-hmm. outgoing. All right. Yep. So they put out this investigative alert and randomly and as luck would have it, Kwame's car is broken down in an alleyway and he's spotted by patrol officers. They happen to run his name, and then they see the the investigative alert out for Kwame. So he's brought in for questioning, and Kwame denies knowing Eugene Spencer. Huh? So they they basically tell him, like, you don't know who your neighbor is who lives right above you that your grandfather rents an apartment to? And he was like, I mean, I know someone by the name of Boo. But I don't, I don't know, like, a Eugene. I don't know, like, his actual name. Oh, okay. He don't know his government name. Yes. Gotcha. So, after Kwame is basically able to confirm that Eugene and Boo are the same person, he goes on to say that Boo is known as being a violent guy in the neighborhood. And he's scared of Boo. That's basically what he says. Not only that, Boo is known to have killed a dog. And I was saying, that's where I draw the line. Whoa. Mm-hmm. So okay. now detectives have this image of, of Boo as being this violent person. They show him an image of a male that's seen entering his mother's apartment and he's able to say, hey, that is Boo. So he's able to identify the person in the hoodie as Boo, a.k.a. Eugene. Okay, so, like, from the video footage. From the video footage, but they had, like, a picture of it. Oh. hmm Okay. When they asked Kwame how Boo was able to enter his mother's apartment, he tells them what is, to me, so shocking, that it was supposed to be a robbery for money, that he just wanted Boo to rob his mom. Wait a minute. So pause did so detectives confirm that it was boo that was in the apartment itself how did they know that he had entered i mean i know the headphone thing but they didn't get any dna from that i think he just started offering this information is what i'm saying okay that's what it seems like that's exactly what it seemed like on the show because they don't have anything no, they just have this picture. So they're like, okay, we're going to yeah. give him this picture. If he starts talking, then we might be able to link it. So he said, I love my mom so much. I would never do anything to hurt her. I didn't know that Eugene was going to murder her. That was not part of the plan. It was just to rob her. He paid someone? He paid him, though? He was going to pay him $4,200. Out of the, the money he out of the money. steal or yeah. property he steal? Yes. Huh? Yes. Which you, to, you set up your own mom? Which doesn't make sense because Yolanda obviously 
she had the, the resources to give him whatever he needed whenever he needed right so it just didn't make sense to me if he had an issue he knew that his mom had deep pockets he's an only child whatever whatever he needed she could provide him so i just didn't understand why he felt he had to rob her so he said he stopped talking to eugene aka boo after the murder but he was pretty much afraid of him and that's why he ended up moving away out of fear they are also able to find Eugene on that same day. So they are able to locate him at a family member's home. And he's very forthcoming too, and seems really eager to talk. And he basically told detectives that Kwame gave him the code to call up to Yolanda's apartment. And he specifically told Boo to, this is very bizarre, but to just cough and she'll think it's me. Wow. And so he did that and she buzzed him in. Wow. Mm -hmm. Carrying people for nine months for them to do this. And the only way that this was able to even really work is because Kwame was on the phone with his mom 40 minutes earlier. So that must have been who Curtis like heard like the conversation. He said he woke up. Yolanda was on the phone. That was possibly the conversation. So basically, Yolanda was expecting Kwame to come to the apartment. Right. So at this point, Kwame is still being interviewed in the other room, and they're going back and forth between both rooms. And Kwame admits to giving Eugene the gun. He also admits to giving Eugene the detergent bottle that he was seen carrying in the video, the clothes that were on the hanger that he was seen carrying. It's giving um, premeditation. And it's giving like, you're supposed to just ask for a lawyer. See, if your yeah. mom was here, mm-hmm. she would have told your ass that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not only that, but Kwame also implicated his girlfriend, Loriana Johnson. He apparently asked if she could give his friend a ride downtown to drop something off. And she agrees. And she said that she didn't even know what she was really agreeing to. She really thought she was giving him a ride and was supposed to just like wait for him, um, which is what she ended up doing. So she picked up Eugene, AKA Boo, drops him off at Yolanda's building and she waits for him. So this is what went down once Boo was inside Yolanda's apartment. He goes inside, he shoots Yolanda in the head twice, but he doesn't realize that Curtis is there. Oh. So what he ends up telling detectives is that Eugene was telling him, make sure that bitch is dead. They were on the phone the entire time of the attack. But were they, okay, wait a minute. On the phone, like through the headphones? Because Curtis never said that he heard anything. That's what I'm thinking. It was through the headphones. Okay. Mm -hmm. He ends up going to the kitchen following orders and he grabs a knife and he ends up stabbing her but he said that as he's stabbing her he's all of a sudden attacked by this man right so he's kind of like okay am i being set up here like who the hell is this whoa Mm -hmm. so he says that he's now fighting off this man who was curtis and he ends up hitting him so hard on the head, that's how the gun broke into pieces. Ooh. Mm-hmm. 
So Curtis was actually beat really badly and he ended up passing out, which is likely why he called 911 around 5.01 a.m. Wow. And maybe when he came to, he just was like washing his hands and yeah. didn't realize what had happened. Yes. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That is wild. Yeah. So when Eugene, a.k.a. Boo, returns to the car, Loriana basically notices that his clothes are different and he smells very odd. Like, it's this very strong smell. And he tells Loriana, like, I had to do it. I'm sorry, I had to do it. And that's when she realized that Kwame and her boyfriend had set up his own mom. And Boo was supposed to be offered $4,200 for, like, basically killing her. And he was only paid $70. Damn, Boo. So at this point, detectives are like, Kwame is definitely the real mastermind here. For sure. They're convinced. Detectives believe his motive was to basically kill his mom, take over her business, get the life insurance payout, which they don't see an amount, and to get her car. I think she had a BMW. Wow. He had lost his job, so Kwame was going through a really difficult time. I don't know what the job was. They never say. And things just weren't really working out in his life at the time. But to me, I'm like, you're only 23. I don't know if he had someone in his life saying, like, you're only 23. It's fine. I'm sure his mom was telling him this, too. Like, it's fine. You'll figure it out. You're so young. But I wish more young people knew that it's okay to not have everything figured out. But, you know, the pressure of society can just be a lot sometimes. A lot to, like kill your mom well i mean kwame definitely took it too far yeah he took it way Way too too far far. but also interestingly enough kwame was a rapper on the side and so he was trying to keep up his image as a rapper so much so that he made a video of himself throwing money that was part of the settlement apparently embarrassing which is really sad like all of that because he wanted money maybe he wanted fame maybe it was his way of like trying to sacrifice his mom for fame and all this stuff maybe and her family was very confused too they just couldn't understand why he he would do something like this did they say anything about his relationship with his mom like they didn't really go into details but i just got the impression that she did a lot for him and I think he also had legal issues when he was a teenager and she handled it see I think the issue with him is that like he's too spoiled Mm -hmm. and no amount of money was going to be enough he wanted it all it's just like where's the girl with the list there's a girl with a list on TikTok and she writes (laughs) down every time like someone makes a TikTok about something a baby does to them or a child she keeps a list of like why not to have a child right Mm -hmm. so this would go on the list yeah how do you do that to your mom who's like supporting you and stuff maybe she said like listen get a real job and stop with this rapper shit it's possible but still even then it's like she's looking out for you Mm -hmm. she probably heard your music and just wanted to tell you the truth (laughs) right like Maybe that's what it was. You never know. It's just like, it's sad because it's just like a lot of envy there. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
are you upset that your mom's a successful businesswoman? She's able to do yeah. all these things. And, like, maybe she was just the type of parent that just said, listen, I'll help you, but you have to earn it. You have to earn... If you want to live like this, you need to be able to do this for yourself. Yeah. Which I don't think is a bad thing for a parent to say. In my opinion, it's, it's like a parent takes care of the kid till they're 18 or through college. And I feel like that's all they owe their kids. And I think kids at that point, they're going to kick and scream either way and be like, no, you owe me more. But it's like, no, I, I already did what I had to do for you. You know, and I, I just doubt that she's leaving him out to dry. Like, I feel like, again, he probably felt like whatever she was doing for him wasn't enough. It was yeah. never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. It's just really sad. But this case ends up going to trial. Um, to trial? Yeah. Wow, I thought he would just plead out. Mm-mm. On December 24th, 2013, he was arrested for the murder of his mother, Yolanda Holmes. And then the trial takes place... Seven years later, in January 2020. What? Yeah. Which I'm like, how is that possible? Yeah. I'm really, like, for real. Seven I'm, years. I'm trying to think about how this is not a violation to his constitutional right to, yeah, like, a speedy trial. trial. Yeah. I don't know. I think this was probably the one case that I noticed that it was, like, seven years. I think... The longest I've seen before, at least my case, is maybe, is maybe five years. Seven, Seven years. Seven is a lot, though. There has to be something there. You know, it's hard to find these court documents, y'all. Like, sometimes you got to go down to the courthouse and just, like, ask. And even then, they'd be giving you the runaround. But, like, it has to... There has to be some sort of justification whether... Maybe it was, like, his lawyer who also was, like, pushing it off. Possibly. And, but- like... Because that's the only way I could see a judge saying, like, your lawyer pushed it off, like, mm-hmm. you know, blame your lawyer. If it's just the prosecution, I feel like that would have been an issue. Okay. It seems like maybe there was some sort of tug of war going on. I'd be interested yeah. to hear more, though, like, and understand how this is not a violation. Yeah. I'll see what I could find. Yeah, so it I might not point- be, sorry, it might not be. It might not be related to this case. Yeah. But I probably, I'm sure there's an article, like, just generally about, like, when is it okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Or what circumstances have to be present? No, you're absolutely right. So, at this point, Kwame is 30. He's charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder of Curtis. And... Prosecutors basically paint the same picture of what I was saying, start to finish how he was a mastermind and he basically orchestrated the entire murder from start to finish. And as far as records go into the amount of money that he got and he spent, I couldn't find anything on the life insurance policy itself, but he did withdraw about $70,000 from Yolanda's bank accounts months after her death. Whoa. And they believe that that was the money that he was showing in his video that he posted on YouTube. And Mm -hmm. that he threw bills at his fans. It took the jurors just over two hours to return their verdict, and they found Kwame guilty. And 
for both the murder of his mom and for the attempted murder of Curtis. And he was sentenced to 90 years, 99 years in prison. Wow. Mm-hmm. When he was sentenced, Kwame was asked if he had anything to say. And he said, nobody loved my mom more than me. She was all I had. That's it. But you killed her. Yeah, I just don't... Like... It's just like, it doesn't make any sense. It really does not. So Yolanda's sister and her aunt, they did attend the trial. And her aunt, Sandra Jackson, stated, after all this, we still don't understand why he did it. We're just happy to have this over. So mm. so now on to the trial for Eugene Spencer, a.k.a. Boo. He's also charged with first-degree murder and attempted murder of Curtis um, and home invasion. And he's 28 at the time of his trial. Okay. So he basically tried to claim that he was not the actual shooter, that he was attacked. He came into a situation, he was trying to, you know, do the whole robbery. That was a plan. And that he was attacked by the real shooter, which I think he was trying to implicate Curtis. Oh. Um, as being the actual shooter and the actual murderer. That don't make Yolanda, no damn sense, But it doesn't make any sense. And I think Curtis either testified or they brought up a statement that Curtis made. So, right. yeah, it completely... He also said that he knocked Curtis out, though. There were inconsistencies in his statements. Right. So that's what the prosecution brought up. Because he was saying one thing, now he's saying, like, no, I was attacked. But the jury in his case, they deliberated for over 12 hours over the course of two days. Okay. So I think that that's interesting. They may have not felt like he was guilty, you know, if they're spending that much time. I'm just saying, like, in comparison yeah. to Kwame, it took them two hours. Here, they're kind of, I think, going back and forth. Not that he's not guilty, but... Yeah. They returned the verdict, and... They found him guilty of first-degree murder and the attempted murder of Curtis as well. And he gets 100 years. Whoa. As for Loriana Johnson, who was Kwame's girlfriend at the time, she pled guilty to robbery and she served seven years and she was released on parole. No way. Yeah. And she was on the show. She made an appearance. No way. Mm -hmm. What'd she say? She basically said that she didn't know what Kwame was up to, that she thought she was giving his friend a ride. She was describing how she waited for him. And then when he got in the car, she knew like, okay, Kwame definitely set up his mom. Something's not right here. So, wow. I'm kind of shocked that they actually like pursued her, but there has to be something else that they felt like, yes, we're going to charge her. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because she didn't come forward about it. Right? She never came forward. I don't think so. So, no. I mean, is omission a crime? Technically, no. Unless it's like you're on the stand, you got you know, you're sworn in and da da da. But like, meaning, can you be charged for not coming to the police about something? Right. You know? No. no. There's not a law that I know of that says like you're going to be charged for having. I don't know. It's a little different than the bystander. Tampering with evidence in some way. Or, you know, it's like they probably, what was she charged with? Robbery. Robbery. Yeah. 
I thought they would at least charge her as an accomplice. That's what I'm thinking, like... And not robbery. Yeah, I thought, like, it would be, like, some sort of a, an accomplice. I mean, maybe that is a case. Maybe and maybe it's not, she is... You know, sometimes these sites, like, yeah. they don't use the proper legal jargon. Yeah. And they'll just be, like, you know... Me. They'll mm-hmm. be like, they'll tra- they're charged with murder. But then you guys now know that, like, there's different levels of murder, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're just using, like, the general terms. Yeah. I think that she's likely charged as an so accomplice cool. because mm-hmm. for robbery, you need a few things yeah. for it to be considered robbery, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is what? Breaking and entering? That's burglary. Oh, shoot. See, I passed the bar the first um, time, but, you know, <laughs> I'm a little No, rusty. robbery, you definitely need, like, a threat of force of okay. some sort. Um, and there's a little bit of larceny attached to it, too, because, like, you're trying to deprive a person of, like, their personal property. Right. But she wasn't there. Right. Like So, like, she was, I think, an accomplice to it, but... We can say right there, I mean, the threat or force part. She, she didn't do that right. right so you already don't have all the things let's say there's four things you already mm-hmm. don't have one so you can't have all four which means you can't find someone guilty mm-hmm. right it's like mm-hmm. she didn't even do a how are you gonna say right. she did the entire thing if she just didn't do that one part exactly and i'm sure there's other elements but like i'm i'm not i can't think of all the elements for robbery but yeah it has to be accomplice or something yeah. That's what I'm thinking. But seven years, seven years. Yeah. That changed her entire life. A long time, yeah. So, and as far as Curtis. See, this um, is why you don't date rappers. (laughs) You know, this is exhibit A. Fuck around, go to jail. Mm -hmm. I bet she was not expecting that at all. I'm sure she wasn't. Maybe she didn't have a really good attorney. Maybe. I'm just curious, like, the lawyer in me, I just want to know, like, the exact charge. Yeah. Because seven years, like, there has to have been something else there. Did she go to a trial or did she just plead out? She just pled guilty. Okay. Mm -hmm. Damn, and that's the best deal her lawyer thought they could get her? Because when you're just going to plead out, your lawyer has the opportunity to really, like, you know, do mm-hmm. their job, get yeah. you the best deal. That's yeah. the best deal that her lawyer could get. Seven years? Did she have a prior history of, like... I have no idea. Doing cr- okay, because then there there it is. It's possible. If she had a prior history, yeah. sometimes the prosecutor will say, like, okay, like, I'm not going to give her probation because actually she was involved in an assault or something like that. Or a prior this or that. So, no. Mm -hmm. It's not her first time. So, I'm going to give her seven years. What about Boo? Did they talk about his history? His arrest history and stuff? Because Kwame is so afraid of Boo. I'm just wondering, like... I mean, I didn't even... I mean, I guess it's possible to... I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but it's possible. I mean, it's possible to fear someone and they don't necessarily have like a history i mean dad just would look at me i'd be like oh okay i'm sorry dad you know yeah (laughs) but like it's just a terrible tragedy all around and Mm. and the fact that curtis was like wrapped up in this and he had nothing to do with it again we're seeing this time and time again where people are so close to almost going to jail and being innocent 
yeah. you know, or technically prison, yeah. and being innocent, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, his actions, people could probably equate it to him being guilty. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, what a dangerous, dangerous, you know, moment that was for him. Yeah, I mean, he went out to, for drinks with her, came back to her apartment. How did Boo you know? not see him? I guess it was like really it dark. It was really dark. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because maybe if he saw him sitting there, like if they were like, or, you know, he saw it, maybe he would have been like, oh shit, no, I'm getting out of here because Kwame. Or he may have shot them both. You or know? maybe, yeah, maybe he would have killed them both. Mm-hmm. No witnesses. I did have another question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So the whole thing with Kwame, it's it's interesting because he has a parent who's in prison for a double murder. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes you wonder, did he inherit something from his dad? And how is, like, you know, DNA linked to, like, stuff like this? Yeah. You know? I'm just saying, like... The fact that his dad went away for yeah. double murder. Are they in the same prison? I was wondering that. I have no idea because I don't have his dad's name. Usually, yeah. Yeah. Usually they don't put family in the same prison sometimes. Like, I would say, I feel like it's uncommon. But y'all let me know in the comments or whatever. But I don't think it's common for family to be in the same prison. Mm. But it does make you wonder about, like, you know, DNA and hereditary and like, yeah. hey, how do you like explain this? Can it be explained? I'm sure there's someone out there who has done a study about this. Yeah. Like for parents who have killed or like, you know, just looking at, I think it's an interesting psychology paper someone could write because is there some sort of correlation between having a parent who has committed such a heinous crime and then you know, you have some of their DNA. Yeah, no, I think that that's a really interesting point. I mean, if you, I I mean, if it's like a known thing or people think that like addiction can be passed on, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people will say like, oh, my dad was an alcoholic and that's why I don't drink because I just don't want to like, you know, something like that. So, I mean, something like this, I'd be interested to read a study that's all right. all. I mean, that was that was a tough case. Yeah, it really was. Oh, and Curtis ended up moving away from Chicago. They didn't say where, but it was just too much for him to wow. just stay there. Yeah, I can imagine. Almost got caught up in some stuff. I'm sure he was sitting there like, man, all the crimes or like all the fun times I had in my <laughs> life. You know what I'm saying? Where I could have actually gone to jail. Like I could think of times where I'm like, oh, man. That was a close one. You know what I'm saying? The like, generally. You, what, what the hell do you be doing? <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I'm just saying, like, in life, it's not to say that Curtis, we don't know Curtis's background, but, like, I feel like in those moments, you must think to yourself, like, how am I going to get caught up in something I really didn't do when there's stuff in my life that I have done? Maybe yeah. it's not, like punishable by the law but maybe it's morally punishable you know what i'm saying but like Mm -hmm. it must really be like this like moment of just pure insanity that you go through where you're like i actually didn't do this though yeah (laughs) i really didn't right i can't even imagine it's just really sad 
So prayers to Yolanda's family, her sister, her friends. And sending well wishes to Kwame's girlfriend. I mean, for her to appear on the show, I just mm-hmm. feel like she really just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, of course, we will all never really know. But I just... The way he... I mean, he just... Every statement he makes just is filled with irony, you know? So I'm just... I feel like you can't really trust what he says. And it's like, he's saying he loves his mom, but then he mm-hmm. kills her. Yeah. It's like, if he said, oh, she knew what was going to happen, I don't know if I would believe him. Right. Yeah. You so, can't really be trusted. I hope she's able to rebuild her life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all just got to be very, very careful out here. And it's kind of like what they say in the airport and just like other places. If someone gives you a bag, you just don't like take it, right? You just don't do stuff just because people are like, do it. Mm-hmm. But I can see how it could be kind of confusing when it's your like loved one. You wouldn't think they're going to put you in that position. Right. Right. Like, okay, I'm going to just give this person a ride. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know. If I pulled up somewhere and it's like I'm looking at the buildings, your mom's building, and then this person comes out, I, I would be kind of, kind of, I don't know, kind of confused. Mm-hmm. Because what did he say he was going to be doing there? You know what I mean? I have no idea. I mean, I know he came back to the car, started singing like a canary. That's why I'm like, how scary could Boo be? He's just telling it all, even when they got him in the room, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm just like, you know, and then the other side of it is, like, some people pretend to be all big and bad, and then you get them in a corner, and they fold like a damn chair. Mm-hmm. You know, in one of these damn auditoriums or gymnasium. Just boom. And just, like, what's his name? Want to be a rapper, want to be about that life, and you, you folded so fast. hmm So, and I'm glad he folded. Good. Because now you got to sit in prison and think about it. Definitely not going to have a rap career now. You know what I'm saying? Definitely not. But above that, it's like you have no one. You literally have no one. Yeah. Got a lot of time to think about that. So there's that. We'll be back next week with a new episode of It's the Mystery for Me. Until then, stay safe out here and avoid rappers. They ain't no good. I agree. Bye, y'all. Peace.